0: This is the Healthy Habits for Life show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Carol Perlman, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode. Today, we have a guest with us, Kelly Tallakson. So, welcome, Kelly.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: I am really intrigued and excited to have this conversation. Uh, Kelly is a board-certified hypnotist, certified in hypnosis, and I was telling her before we started recording that I don't know a lot about hypnosis and and the kind of healing that she's able to help people do through hypnosis. So I'm actually really excited to learn today, just along with all the listeners, I'm going to be learning from you. So welcome again, Kelly. Thanks for Thank being you. here. And let's start, just can you tell us a little bit about um, who you are, sort of how you got started in this kind of work and what you're up to these days?
1: Okay, well, how I got started was probably around 15 years ago, I was having a difficult time healing my physical body. So I did a lot of research and what it came up with is Eating the right foods and exercising and drinking a lot of water, so I kept doing that, but I was not getting a hundred percent well. Then I was reading an article about nutrition and you know and healing the body, and part of that article mentions not harboring any childhood trauma, because that would affect the physical body. So at that time, I was like, wait, what are they talking about? How does that have anything to do with the physical body? So that's opened up that whole investigation for me. And I just started following it. And that led me to reading all about inner child and then understanding that as children, we are basically in an altered state of consciousness or so we're not fully in an alert mind. We're absorbing what's happening around us like sponges. So it's even been said that children from small age are basically in hypnosis. So I started looking more into hypnosis and the subconscious mind, and that led me to taking the training in hypnosis and that led me to holistic psychology and that led me to healing our inner parts, um, parts therapy, age regression, all of those things that help you understand what's going on in the unconscious that we're not aware of, and bringing that to our awareness so it can be healed. So it helped me heal. It helped me heal to learn it. It helped me heal to work with colleagues of mine to help heal my inner child, which finally put me into a much more balanced place. And then I loved it so much that I just kept learning, learning, learning. And now today I do it with my clients. I use hypnosis, I take them into an altered state of consciousness. It's almost like a very deep meditation. And all I'm really doing is helping them locate the source of what they're dealing with now because it's unconscious and they don't understand why they have a certain behavior why they have certain habits why they are so limited in their life why they can't actually move forward from all of the things they're holding in their conscious mind they just feel like something's holding them back and which really what's holding them back is just another part of them that's unconscious that's still trapped in the space and time of some kind of emotional trauma and it keeps pulling them back it's it's so fascinating yeah, so you have
0: this personal experience, and I find that those are always really the most powerful guides in our life when we have a struggle, and so that that leads us to pursue a certain kind of healing or to uh-huh. pursue answers. And then when you've had your own profound experience, it really makes it so compelling to want to help others with the same modality. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. So, um, so how does this work? You know, if someone finds you, like, well, can you tell us a little bit about the process?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, The process would be if somebody would call me up and tell me what they're struggling with, I would explain to them how I would work with them. Um, And and I do screen clients because certain things I don't feel like I should be working with. You know, if somebody mentions to me I'm suicidal. I do have references I give to them. Because I also teach hypnosis for the National Guild of Hypnotists. So a lot of those students are psychotherapists or um, licensed social workers. So I say to them, okay, you want to do hypnosis, but I want to get you to somebody who's also trained um, in social work or psychology because your stuff goes a little deeper than what I feel I can help you with. So then I send them off. But if I feel it is a good fit, and a good fit for me would be somebody who just doesn't know why they feel sad, or somebody who feels limited, or even somebody who just wants to expand into a higher version of themselves. Cause I do a lot of deep spiritual work while they're in hypnosis. So once I know it's a good fit, I send them, you know, my brochure so they can read a little bit more and has my pricing and cancellation policy and all that. They read it 99% of the time, they say, Yeah, sign me up. And then I do, and I just, it's a two hour session. So I send them an intake sheet, and when they come to me, I go over that intake sheet with them, and then um, I talk to them a little bit more because I'm looking for certain cues. And a lot of times they don't put on their intake sheet certain things they should because they don't think these things bother them. But I'll listen very carefully in that conversation, and I always say to them, mom and dad still alive? Yes, no, whatever. Are they together? And I'm waiting for that. No, dad left when I was five and it's all nonchalant. And the meantime, I'm thinking, well, now you've got a five-year-old part of you that's mm-hmm. stuck in a state of confusion, fear, and non-lovability. So I just make notes on that because I know it's going to come up. Mm-hmm. So at least I know the backgrounds of it as it's coming up. You know, so I'm looking for those kind of clues, you know, um, and I'll even ask, how was your relationship with mother, father, siblings, you know, how, you know, you're married, how's your relationship now, just because I'm looking for certain things that they don't even think it had anything to do with why they're feeling the way they feel because they don't realize they're carrying patterns into their adult relationship. So I'll look for that pattern and bring it back to where that first started so they can release the pattern. You know, and was.
0: just to clarify, so i had asked you this before we started recording, you know, a lot of services have adapted to be virtual. Um, so can you tell me what you explain, tell everyone what you explained to me about, you know, whether this work can be done virtually or not?
1: It can only if, first of all, if I don't take them very deep, okay, because when they can go very deep, I can lose them in the process, okay? Sometimes people go so deep and I could keep saying, come back to my voice, come back to my voice, and they don't because they go that deep and then I lose them. And here we are. We're not, you know, I can't clap really loud. I can't do anything. You're just gone. Or sometimes they go into what's called a severe ab reaction. They haven't, they have a reaction to the memory that came up and they go into such severity of it that I can't snap them out of it. If I'm with them in person, I can. Yeah. I hold the space. I may, I may say to them, I'm going to touch your arm. So they know they're not alone. Because if they go back to a memory where they felt alone and they went into survival consciousness or they went into some kind of severe emotional crisis and they think they're all alone in it and they don't know I'm there, then it can get worse. So when they're with me, I hold on to their arm. I say, you're not alone. I'm here with you. I'm holding this space. You are safe. Or sometimes I'll say, let that scene fade away, come back to a safe place if it gets really severe. But when I'm working on Zoom, I don't let them go that deep. So it's basically like a very light meditation. And then what I'll do on Zoom is just parts therapy where I'm working with letting the different parts of them come forward that are in conflict with each other. And then we're going to look for where the pattern is there, but it's very, very healing on Zoom as well.
0: So how, how do you do that? How do you help people connect these parts that are disconnected?
1: Well, what I'll do is first, I'm having that talk with them and I'm looking for certain clues of the words they're using, what they're telling me. Um, But if they say to me, I feel sad, I just feel a heaviness in my chest, I'll have them while they're in a late trance say, focus on that feeling, that heaviness in that chest area. And I'll say, and I want you to focus on it intently. And I want you to bring up the part of you that first felt that. And then I'll say, and at the count from five back to one, that part of you steps forward. This will be another version of you at an earlier time. And then I say, and I count backwards to kind of bring them back in time. And next thing you know, I'll say, okay, let that part of you surface. Now, tell me about what you're feeling about this part. And they usually say like, oh, she's so sad. You know, and then I'll say, well, ask her what's causing the sadness. That would be third party. Or I'll say, can I talk directly to that part? So, but you know, when I do parts healing and integration, I also have to watch out for what's called protector parts. Because a lot of times what happens, they'll say nothing's happening. All I see is blank. All I see is black. That means that there's a protective energy because when they first felt that emotional disconnect, that crisis they were in, they made a bad of themselves. They can't feel that. They don't want to feel it. So they numb it right then and there. That's their protector. The protector said, I'm going to close this out on you. I'm going to block this memory that protector part comes from ego it's the ego doesn't want you to feel that it doesn't want you to express yourself that way because the ego knows that if you express yourself that way and it was like a rejected part of you then the world could reject it so the ego wants you to put on a certain persona to be safe in the world so you're kind of playing with protector parts you're playing with wounded parts but you're also playing with parts that um, are conflicting with the wounded part all parts of us are really trying to do the best for us. None of them want to hurt us. They all want to help us, but they conflict with each other. So you have the wounded part that goes into hiding so that you don't express yourself from this place of inferiority. And then the ego puts on the persona for you to protect that part. But now you have the part, the wounded part that says, I feel sad. Now you have the other part that's so super happy. Because it's trying to overcompensate and it sees the sad part is weak. So they're in conflict. I'm sad. I can't let go of it. And this part's like, well, you will because you're weak and I don't want anything to do with you. It's really trying to protect the whole self.
0: And so how do you correct that balance?
1: We bring them on in conversations with each other. Mm -hmm. We basically want to help the sad part heal. And allow the happy part to realize that that sad part is not a weak part. It's just a human experience and that we can allow it to integrate and to join into the wise mind of the whole self and learn from the wise mind instead of being trapped in that sadness when dad left or when mother was ill and went into depression or when sister beat you up all the time or when, you know, a neighbor called you ugly, whatever it is that they're holding on to. We want to get them to understand that part that that's not a weak part. That's an actual beautiful, sensitive soul part of you. Okay. But it's just trapped in that energy and that that's over now and you are safe and you are welcome back home to be with the wise adult self. So this way it kind of settles down the other part that wants to be super happy because it thinks it has to overcompensate. Mm. It doesn't have to overcompensate
0: that's about balance just like everything right absolutely yeah that's absolutely. so interesting um so what do people say at the end of the process what what kinds of reactions do people have after doing this kind of work
1: usually i hear wow and i'm always like what a trip right and they'll be like I can't believe it. And then they'll say, well, how do you feel? I feel great. I feel lighter. I feel like the energy just kind of poured out of me. They just feel amazing. And this is after one session, because we're going right to it. It's not going to be multiple, multiple sessions. After the first session, people are feeling lighter. And, you know, it's like, it's time consuming because I'm with them two hours. I'm going deep with them. They're feeling lighter. And they, most of them come back for one more session because they love the feeling of it. Or they'll come back a month later, six months later. All right. And it's not because the same thing came back, but it's because they want to continue to heal on other mm-hmm. issues. So I was looking for a way to bring this into um, a larger scale. So I did write the book, The Voiceless Soul, which is all based on that work. And that book is getting great reviews, and that has a lot to do with working with that inner child, but also understanding that where these parts formed was really for self-protection, but also that the younger version of ourselves have misperceptions about what was going on around them, because they were basically looking for a sense of security only, it's all survival, So what's happening around them is mother and father might be fighting a lot or there might be a divorce or there might be a death or a serious illness. But what they don't see is that in the larger picture is that everybody was suffering in that scenario. You're not the victim. You are a victim of the victims. And that to see that a lot of stuff that happened as children was basically projected energy onto them that came from the inner child of the adults Mm -hmm. that were also trapped. So the book talks a lot about the unworthiness trap and how our parents and their parents and their parents, we can go way back to all the ancestors, how we all fall into that same unworthiness trap, generational trauma, because we're not really healing on that deep level. Everybody's trying to heal on this intellectual level. We have to heal on a deeper level and see that A lot of this is everybody in the same trap, pulling other people in, not knowing that they're doing it. And then these innocent children get pulled right into the same trap their parents got pulled into. And then unfortunately, they could pass it on to their offspring. So the idea is to really break those generational cycles. And that's what the book is about, it's no. like really understanding the whole picture, what your parents have gone through and what caused them. So it's about not only having compassion for your own inner child, but having compassion and then forgiveness for the inner child of the adults that tainted your self-esteem. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm so intrigued to read these. Are they um, connected, the two books, or are they...
1: Yeah, well, one's called Healing Our Unhealed Parts. That's the mm-hmm. first book I wrote years ago, back in 2016. And I had it on my website and I said, for a limited time, this would be free. So a lot of people download it for free. And now it's on Kindle. Okay. I think it's only $3.99. It's an excellent book. And then the other one is The Voiceless Soul, which came out about a year ago in february and um, that's really been taking off people are really doing some deep inner healing with it which i love because there's healing exercises at the end and blank pages to write down their thoughts and it's funny because when i talk to people they tell me they're digesting the chapters a little bit at a time because that's how in that's how powerful is it's triggering Mm -hmm. Your inner child, but that's what it was meant to do. It was to trigger that inner child to wake up and shake up that part of you that you are not able to acknowledge. It's making you acknowledge your shadow.
0: I love those books that have an active component to them that, you know, you can't just read them. You know, some books you just read, you know, say, okay, well, that was helpful. But I really like books that have exercises and lead you to take action so that you really create change through them. So I will definitely look those up. I'm I'm really intrigued. So as you know, on the my podcast, my um, you know, my overarching theme is habits and creating healthy habits. And so I always like to bring us back, you know, based on your expertise and how you're looking at healing. If you could offer people five habits of health when it comes to this kind of healing, where would you begin?
1: Well, I would begin with first of all, reading at least the voiceless soul, to understand on a deeper level that this is not about. Survival of the Fittest, but that's where we got stuck in tribal energy. This is about understanding consciousness, and this book explains everything. So that would be the first step is to understand consciousness and to see where maybe you are people-pleasing because you need acceptance that you didn't receive as a child. See where you're allowing people to encroach on your boundaries. Like you have no boundaries because you're so afraid of losing connection because as a child, you feared losing connection. Um, so I would look into people pleasing. I would look into the way you set your own boundaries. Okay. The way you're treating yourself, read the book, but also look at the way your relationships play out. Because if you're not in a healthy relationship, it means that something inside of you needs to be healed. It's about don't keep blaming the other person because in every dysfunctional marriage is 50-50. It's not all of you, all of them. It's both of you. You were actually attracted to each other on an energetic level because you were both looking to have the other one fill that empty void in you. They cannot do it. They can do headstands, cartwheels for you. They cannot fill that void. It never will happen. But the problem is, it's that inner child that doesn't know where to go to get their needs met. Because as a child, we had to look outside of ourselves. Well, that inner child is causing you to look outside of yourself. But if you heal that inner child, you don't have to look outside of Mm. yourself right so now what you do is you draw towards you energetically somebody who's also not looking for you to fill their void they come in whole and complete they show up for you the way you show up for them right so energetically you will bond with the people that are very much like you on that deep soul level so if they have carrying, if they're carrying burdens you're going to meet somebody who's carrying burdens it doesn't mean you can't heal together and grow and evolve together but also keep in mind, you have to understand that they're going to trigger, you're going to trigger them, but you have to come to an intellectual understanding that these are just triggers of unresolved past trauma.
0: Have you, I'm sure you've read this book, um, getting the love you need or getting the love you want. Yeah. So I'm trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is, you know, very cognitive and, you know, um, based on a lot of rational reasoning. And this is one of the, few non-CBT books that I really, really embrace and bring into my work. And I just love the premise of it. And what you're saying goes along with it, but it actually takes it a little deeper. And he, you know, without getting us totally sidetracked, but he talks about how, um, you know, when you meet someone, you're all excited because you think finally they're going to fill this void. And that's, you know, where you get this elation and the honeymoon phase, but then come to find out that they actually are replaying some of the same patterns from childhood. And so that's where all of a sudden you panic and you say, oh, my God, I married the wrong person. And what he proposes, which is what you're saying, is that you have the opportunity to heal together, but there's work to do. Um, And so I think it's amazing that that's kind of where you step in and you provide some of this roadmap of how you can each heal so that you're not triggering each other and that you can both get the connection that you want. So, um, so what would you say next? So you gave me some great five, really great teaching points. So what would you say for number two?
1: Well, based on that, I, I, you know, I was um, recently written up in authority magazine and if anybody wants to look at the video in that, they asked me to express five things um, that I wish I knew when, and then for me to pick a topic. And what I picked was the five things I wish I knew before I got married and started a family. So I do work with couples. I will work with the man and the woman separately, taking them into their deep inner child and and letting them bring up what's going on inside of them and help them do the healing work, and then meet with them together just to talk to them about how they just triggered each other because this child in them and this child in them, and that's how they can work it out to get them going on their healing path. All right. You know, it's about honoring each other where they're hurt and wounded, but also to not let their wounds be the controlling factor, but their acknowledgement of it and the healing of it. So, um, but the five things I wish I knew I was saying is that I carry inner wounds. If I'm going to come into union with somebody and I'm going to, you know, make them a part of my life. I don't want to bring in baggage from the past, but I need to know if I have it, right? Which we all do, by the way. (laughs) Exactly. So now I say it's best to heal that stuff before you get married. But if you're already in the marriage, take the time and, you know, individually find yourself, find what, what you need to heal so you're not triggering each other anymore. And then the second thing I wish I knew is that my partner was coming in with unhealed wounds, because if I'm coming in, so are they, because we are energetically bonding. Then the third thing I wish I knew is that we are passing this on to our children energetically as well. Now, through my work, what I realize is that a lot of our trauma goes back to the womb, because when I'm taking people deep and taking them back to the original source, many of them went right back to the womb. Birth and very early childhood. So, wow. this starts very, very early. So, this is why when they're just trying to handle intellectually, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the unconscious like work the, right? or like the preverbal, a preverbal, pre-verbal consciousness yeah. And that's exactly what the voiceless soul is. It's the soul energy, the energetic body that now it's felt in the nervous system, but there's no words, there's no story. It's yeah. just a feeling of that you know, that things are off balance and the hormones go off balance, everything goes off balance because you're holding on energetically to some kind of trauma that's around you and you don't understand it. And it pulls you into contracted mode, survival mode, and you don't even know this is happening. And yeah. go Right back to the womb.
0: Isn't it wild? You know, how, how deep these origins can run. Um, And so what what would you say you um, mentioned to me in our notes about telling your story? It's good to tell your story and own your story, but only if you were doing that from a higher level of consciousness. What do you mean by that?
1: What I mean by that is you hear a lot of people, the old cliches, own your story, tell your story, be proud of your story. But then I hear some of the stories behind it and people say, this happened to me, this happened to me. It's total victimhood. But when you stay in that energy, you're just going to draw more drama towards you. So when you tell your story from a higher level of consciousness, like I do in The Voiceless Soul, because I I go in in the book, I do talk a lot about the unconscious and and repressed memories and what our parents went through. But I, I talk a little bit about what I went through. And I now tell my story from a higher level of consciousness, meaning that My father had a lot of serious mental health issues, okay? Now, I can either tell the story about how horrible he was to me, how he beat us, and blah, 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 blah. And I could stay in that energy. I'm only going to attract more drama toward my life. Or I could say, this is what happened. But it was part of a problem that was familiar. It's in the family, okay? So I had to look at my father's history, and when I finally looked at my father's history and realized what he went through, I said, there's no possible way this man could show up and be the father I needed him to be. It's impossible. He has been destroyed mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. He has been destroyed. He's been through so much. So when I tell my story from a higher level of consciousness, it's basically saying my dad was off balance. He had a very rough life. Okay. Okay. And I'm not saying saying it from this analytical mind, he did the best he could, because we all do the best we could with the level of consciousness. You have to understand it from a real deep, compassionate place. And what I say is he didn't really want to hurt us. He was trying to hurt parts of himself, but he was projecting it through us. So when you have that higher understanding, I can now say I have compassion for the hurt and pain he had to endure. I also look at it like this. If I didn't experience what I experienced, I don't think I would understand the experience of my clients. Mm-hmm. I come in with such compassion and non-judgment and really connecting with them because I know what it's like to go through such emotional crisis Even physical pain or whatever it is, but it's that disconnect from the self. It's the feeling that I'm just not good enough. I'm just not lovable. I understand it. Instead of me trying to tell you, oh, but you are, but you are. Yes, you are. But we got to go deeper than that. Mm -hmm. We got to find out what's making you believe that and heal it there. Because by me telling you that, I'm only talking to your analytical mind. You could tell yourself that all day. You still have another part of you that's saying you're not lovable, you're not worthy. So you're always in conflict with yourself until you get into those inner conflicts. It's it's so remarkable to me. Um, You know, I
0: hear this time and again. If you if you interview all sorts of successful people, people who've done really good good things in their life, most of them have a rough beginning. That's right. And I just love this story of how, you know, there's, there's a good expression. I'm not going to remember it properly right now, but um, you can make, you can turn these really hard times into something meaningful. You can make meaning of your struggle and sort of pay it forward and make things better for other people. And that helps you heal And doing that for others and making meaning of the fact if you had to struggle early on, you can look at it as a way that it taught you what you needed to learn so that you could go on and be a healer for others. And that's a really beautiful outcome, I think, of
1: the wounded warriors. And we become warriors from our own deep inner wounds and we learn from them. Yeah. So when we say learn from them, it doesn't mean learn from them and say, okay, you know, your parents were toxic. Don't look at them like they were toxic. Because you're still going to be disconnected then. It's very difficult to disconnect from the people that brought you into the world. It doesn't mean you have to have dinner with dad if he's, if he's going to be, you know, not kind to you or make you feel bad or keep triggering you. But it does mean in your own consciousness to understand their journey and let them have their journey. Yeah. Without calling them toxic, without saying they were horrible to me and sticking with that story because then you're holding the energy. You want to hold the energy of a high level of consciousness and just say their journey has been difficult for them. I can't be in their presence because they seem to want to bring drama toward me. And I'd rather keep my energy clear. But from afar, I love them. I have compassion for them. I wish them well, and I hope they get the healing they need. If you can come from that level of consciousness, then you hold an energy of high vibration. And that's going to bring you more beautiful things into your life. Yeah,
0: I totally believe it. Oh gosh, Kelly, this is so fascinating. I'm I'm so glad that our paths crossed. And I'm really looking forward to reading your books and understanding this. It it definitely ties into a lot of the work that I've done. I've I've worked with a lot of people with trauma and PTSD. And it's just interesting, you know, how I've approached it from a slightly different way, but just different languages. It's a lot of, you know, similar paths to healing, but different language. So I always appreciate hearing it with another perspective. So I know other people will probably be interested in learning more about what you do as well. So where can people find you if they would like to get more information about the work you're doing?
1: Well, let me just mention this also. So people know, um, I am working at an inner child um, healing retreat upstate New York. It's April 1st through 3rd. Oh, good timing. Okay. Yes. And the woman that runs the retreat, she's very, very skilled at breath work and yoga. So we'll be doing breath work Yoga, meditation, nature walks—it's in a gorgeous setting—and I'll be doing an inner child workshop. But we're going to dig deep into those parts of us and do some deep healing. But there's going to be really—it's called the Sisterhood Retreat. So it's all for women. It's going to be a lot of love bombing and understanding, and and it's it's going to go deep, but it's also going to be very high vibrational. So it's not something we have to come in and say, "Oh, am I just going to cry all weekend?" You're going to cry, you're going to laugh, you're going to cry, you're going to laugh, but you're going to express yourself. But if people are interested in that, they can reach out to me. So the way to find me is kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at heartwisdom.info. I also run a YouTube channel where there are some meditations on there, Inner Child, Ascension Meditation that works with the different parts of us that are stuck in the lower level to bring them up. Um... And there's also um, some soul level stuff uh, done in there talking about the soul and inner child healing, even past life traumas, which I also do. And um, they can follow me on YouTube under Kelly and They can follow my uh, Facebook group called Healing the Fragmented Soul. If they can't find it, they could just send me a little email to Kelly at HeartWisdom.info and I'll send them the link. Okay. They can order my books. They're on Amazon and um and other outlets. Um, if they're interested in the retreat, they can also reach out to me. It's for women only. Um it's coming up soon, though. So if they're interested in that, they should reach out soon. Okay. Um, I am teaching courses if anybody's interested. I teach for the National Guild of Hypnosis. So you would get a certification by the National Guild. I teach past life regression. I teach ancestral healing. And I'm, right now I'm teaching a self-hypnosis workshop that's starting at the end of the month if anybody's interested in that. So that keeps me busy. Yes, I can imagine.
0: So lots of ways to find you and learn from you. I have to ask you one more question before we go. Um, so I haven't read a whole lot in this area, but I did read one book and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on it. Maybe you can guess what I'm going to say. But it was the book Many Lives, Many
1: Masters. Dr. Brian Weiss.
0: Yes. So that's, I think, really my first um entry point to this idea of past life regression. Yeah. And I really loved that book. And um, you know, like some things, we may not know for sure, we may not believe for sure, did it really happen that way or not? But I loved how it it gave a framework for thinking about your challenges and your struggles and and some how you might make sense of them by understanding. The early origins, but I'm just curious what your take is on that. Book. Well,
1: I, I kind of feel the same way. I actually, um, I was contacted by the, um, Mike Bundon. He runs psych central. Uh, he's a psychologist. And, um, he said to me, I like your take on past life because I don't say it's true. I don't say it's not true, but I say it's healing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I can think of several different scenarios, how we come up with past life memories. First of all, ancestral memories have been proven but I also look at it this way. There's a field of consciousness, okay, which a lot of biologists that work with the cells and memories, okay, and talk about thoughts and emotions being just energy and energy can't die. So it basically has to go somewhere. So what if you look at the collective and you look at archetypes and that was, um, don't Dunder- work right, yeah. So, we looked at archetypal energy, and we all have some kind of archetypal energy that we bring and we carry inside of us collectively, right? What if you are the type of person that says, I, I'm the victim all the time, I'm the victim all the time? What if I take it to a past life and you just kind of connect with that energy field and you pull in the memories of somebody who also felt like the victim all the time because they were slave 200 years ago, and now you think that's you. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you follow what I'm saying? You're tapping yep. energy. So I talk about that in that article, but you know, when people ask me, is it real or not? I say, I can't really say if it's real or not. I do know that when I take somebody through a past life, it certainly feels real. Mm-hmm. The emotions are there. They can even feel physical pain. But the thing is, we don't know enough about consciousness local or whether it's not local, if it's in the brain, if it's outside of the brain. All we can do is be open-minded and say to ourselves, listen, whether it's real or not, if it's going to help me heal, why not? You know, I did train with Dr. Brian Weiss. Oh, Uh, you did? Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Even before him, I trained with uh, Dr. Jeffrey uh, Smith. He has crossed over since now, but uh, I trained with several different people and um, because I always like to learn and learn and learn and like to learn the different ways people do it. And um, I love Dr. Brian Weiss and I also do lives between lives where they go through the full past life and we take them into the spirit world and we follow what they go through in the spirit world and they're meeting with their soul group and they're meeting with spirit guides and they're planning this life. And that's really amazing. Cause that makes you wonder like, wow, is this real. Like, cause you're asking them questions like, okay, how come you pick this mother? And they just give you the answer right away. How can you pick this father? You know or how come you chose the life you have now why'd you choose to be a woman a man why did you choose to live in New York it's insane how they just boom they give it the answers and I've probably done about 10 lives between lives because people don't like to do them because they're four and a half hours five hours long but the thing is a lot of them are very similar when they go through the spirit world they say the same thing everybody else says it so I say to myself listen we don't know if it's coded in the brain. We don't know if we're actually tapping into the spirit world, but all I know is it's deeply healing. Mm-hmm. And um, Dr. Michael Newton, who actually establishes Lives Between Lives through his own patients and working with them, he said that one Lives Between Lives session is equal to five years of therapy. Because wow. Because you really mm-hmm. understand your relationships from that higher spiritual level. Mm-hmm. So that's I found pretty, that very intriguing.
0: Yes, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll take this, we'll continue this conversation offline someday, but thank you. I was so in, I was so curious to hear your thoughts on that. I, I thought it was a fascinating book. If anyone is interested in oh, definitely. reading more about this, it just gives you a lot to think about. So
1: it does. it's interesting. Keep an open mind. I mean, yeah. I mean, you have to believe everything you read, but just have an open mind.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, this was a really fun conversation. Thank you so much again, Kelly, for being here. I hope everyone else enjoyed it and I hope their mind is open to exploring some alternative paths of healing. And um, thanks everyone for being here for another episode and I'll be back next week.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate everything. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Thanks again, Kelly. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you love today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.